break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. They know what they expect from me down the strip. You know? They know what I do. He saw it firsthand when I was a second-year player when he was in Houston. So I'm sure he has a great memory of that. Know why that drew that type of reaction. Hey everyone, we're back at it on the Ball Street Journal podcast. One week down in the NBA bubble, each team's played about four or five games. Uh, the action's great. Loving basketball, being back. Uh, Nishan, just one thing I, I, I thought about is, you know, for us living on the East Coast our whole lives, basketball's always been something that's happened at night. Um, but I guess it's how West Coasters must feel like when they get to start seeing games much earlier in the day. And so they're not seeing games uh, as they're falling asleep and just like way past their bedtime. It's definitely a nice feeling to have that. I definitely agree with you. I think the hardest thing ultimately is being able to be productive at work when you know that basketball games are happening. I mean, um, I do find myself checking the ESPN app every so often to see what the scores are like and what the box the box score looks like. I don't know. It makes sense why nobody in the West Coast gets anything done. Just kidding. Just kidding. Or if you're like me and you're a gambler and you're neurotically just checking to see if your team is <laughs> is winning or to see if your parlay is going to hit. Um, but that, yeah, that definitely disturb, disturbs productivity at work. Uh, but, you know, something I wanted to follow up on. So in the last pod, we kind of ended it by each giving us each other one team that we thought would be the most that we're looking forward to seeing. And uh, I think I may have written written off this team too early because I said, you know, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. But, you know, I'm just looking forward to what they do. And here are the bright future Suns looking amazing. 4-0 in this bubble with wins against the Clippers, the Pacers. So it's not like they're just beating these scrub teams. And, man, I, I think they finally got healthy, which made a big difference for them. Aaron Baines is back. Aiton's uh, missed time with the suspension. He's good to go now. Rubio's here. So the break did them great. And... Devin Booker's just on a whole nother level. Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to take a victory lap. I love these Suns. The Suns are fun to watch. I mean, it's what you would have hoped for a couple of years ago as the Suns, you know, were trying to figure things out. But they're just, I, I don't know if they're going to make any noise and make the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're getting close, especially with Memphis losing a bunch of games. I think they're probably two or two and a half games out now. I think... All the teams so far are still in contention for the play-in, which is which is pretty awesome. Halfway through, we could have a much bigger play-in tournament than I originally anticipated. And watching the Suns in there, I mean, you he may Devin Booker may be the best player, like individual player of all those teams that are viable for in-game, except for the team that I said, which was uh, the Portland Trailblazers. They've also looked really nice. I'm excited to see what they can do i'm glad to see that dame is able to carry the load still i mean i thought his injury his, his achilles injury or foot injury whatever it was um isn't nagging him that much putting up 45 points in a important game um this the the these games are becoming much more meaningful than i expected it to be i really thought the teams would start shutting it down by now um, teams like the Suns, I thought would be out of the playoffs. You know, teams like the Clippers, I thought. You know, is this the first time I've ever seen Kawhi play a back-to-back recently? I don't know, but this is exciting. The Suns are fun to watch. Portland is fun to watch. Um, and you know, a guy that you'd been big on that I sort of want to talk about just briefly 
Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he's been he's been really nice. Is it three three straight games with thirty plus points? He's just been incredible. I think after TJ Warren, he's been like the best like breakout performance. But uh, yeah, I mean, MPJ has just been taking it to a whole nother level. This is something that the whole year we were waiting for Mike Malone to kind of just like release MPJ, but he kept going with Will Barton, Gary Harris, um, just so many people ahead of him, and so. MPJ just never got a chance, and now with injuries to uh, Murray and also Harris, uh, MPJ finally got a chance, and man, he's making the f- best out of it. Uh, I-, I hope this dude can stay healthy. He was a steal at the 14 pick. Uh, <laughs> you know, even on draft night, everyone knew if he stays healthy, this guy's a top five pick, maybe top three. I know for you, it must really hurt that the Knicks took Kevin Knox ahead of this guy. <laughs> and so, man, it would have been nice for the Knicks if they had MPJ over Kevin Knox, but... You know, the Nuggets, what, I mean, great job by them with both MPJ and Bol Bol. <laughs> they just said uh, they, because they already have established players and so much depth that they could afford to just take these guys, stash them. They didn't need them to pr- produce right away. And now they're reaping the benefits so that, you know, if like a Will Barton or a Gary Harris maybe leave in free agency, they're okay. They have uh, Murray and Jokic as their cornerstones. And then they have like this young talent coming up behind them with MPJ, Bol Bol. Uh, great job by the Nuggets, but man, if I just pray that MPJ can stay healthy. It'll be really dicey to see what happens when um, their whole team is full strength. I feel like this could end up being a Boston, a la Boston last year situation where they have all of this young talent. And I don't know if uh, Mike Malone's going to be able to make all of them fit together and have enough minutes for the young guys to grow but also have enough minutes for the older guys to feel like they're still contributors to the team so you know it looks good and I think Bull Bull and MPJ are doing fantastic it's going to be very very interesting to see once the team starts getting healthy what they're going to do in the long run and how they're going to have to make those decisions between who to keep and who to give away it's never an easy decision. We know this going back to the OKC Thunder, who had a core of great players. And, you know, I'll bet pretty much everyone nowadays can agree that they made the wrong decision in keeping Serge Ibaka and giving away uh, James Harden. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see who stays, who goes, or, or, or if the players that are younger start getting more and more disgruntled about their minutes as, as the veterans sort of come back, or not really veterans, but the older players sort of come back and demand those minutes that they had before back yeah i mean i guess paul Millsap is a free agent at the end of this year so he'll probably be leaving i don't think they'll bring him back so you know that opens up a spot in the starting lineup right there but uh yeah the nuggets they, they look great they even without their full strength they look good um but just circling back i just wanted to talk about man devin booker that shot over pg and Kawhi. Uh, that was just incredible. I think you saw like how excited I was as as I I saw this first highlight of that shot. Just an absolutely incredible shot. Um, but the other team that just looked so good is the Toronto Raptors. They are a team that lost Kawhi. They lost Danny Green, and they kind of were just written off in the off season. And then they're just like walking around like. Okay, it doesn't matter. We're still champions. They got Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam, like amazing length. And they got Kyle Lowry. It's just this pest on defense. Van Leet's taking a step forward. They find these guys like Terrence Davis and just 
they keep chugging along. Uh, the Raptors look like they might be the best team in the East. Do you think they can challenge the Bucks or not? I mean, they definitely have experience, um, which is kind of funny to say, just because you know we we all remember the woes of Toronto and you know LeBronto, sorry, rather uh, dating back, you know, just earlier in this in this in this decade, and so it's it's very intriguing to see them strutting around with all the confidence in the world just coming off being NBA champions you can just see how different Kyle Lowry is in these important games and how he doesn't shy away like he used to when it was him and DeMar I think the this uh, the championship win last year did a wonder for their confidence even the younger guys and I think it's possible for them to challenge um, you know challenge uh, the Bucks, especially because of how versatile they are on the defensive end, you know, they have a lot of bodies to throw at Giannis, something that a lot of other teams in the East don't necessarily have. They can put Siakam on him for a little bit, Nobi on him for a little bit. They can also go big by, you know, Marcus is sort of a shell of himself, but in the paint, he, he can he can guard Giannis a lot better. If he had to go out to the perimeter, he would probably get destroyed. But I think they have a lot of versatility, which... Um, which can be test, which will test the Bucks. I think particularly thinking about the backcourt, uh, you know, from the Bucks perspective, we're kind of talking about the Bucks like we used to talk about Toronto. You know, this team that's up and coming is 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 got the you know an amazing team all together. You know, playing a cohesive unit, but they're not able to get it done, and a lot of that falls on the backcourt. We talk about Bledsoe and what he does in, in clutch situations, similarly to what we used to talk about Lowry and how he used to shy away from the bright lights. I think it'll be a comp- competitive series. I don't think that the Bucks have an easy road to the finals as we thought, you know, just maybe a couple of months ago when the, when the break started. Yeah, I mean, Raptors just have so many guys they can throw at Giannis between um, Siakam and uh, Ibaka can take turns on him. They just have multiple guys who can card him. But, you know, speaking on the Bucks, I, I saw this comparison where people are saying the Bucks kind of resemble the pre-Miami LeBron Cavs, like his first stint with the Cavs, where they just had this one great player, best player in the league, possibly uh, MVP. But he has his issues with like the late game closing just because his offensive game is not fully refined yet. He is shot his three-point shot isn't that great yet even though he does take them and makes a better percentage than he used to and the surrounding cast is better than what LeBron's Cavs were the first time around but you know there's like shoddy performances from Bledsoe in the playoffs we're not sure if Middleton's like that guy and so you know I think that's what the Bucks will be tested once again they have this great regular season team they're always ahead they're front runners but it's like when they're going to be in these close games in the playoffs and we saw it last year Kawhi was better than Giannis with closing and that's that was kind of the difference um so you know I what did you think about that comparison uh between these Bucks and LeBron's Cavs uh before his first Miami departure I think any comparison to any teams with the superstars always the same thing you know it's always the pre-championship whoever you know like oh we can easily say is is uh Giannis the pre-championship Michael Jordan you know like the early Michael Jordan he keeps coming up against other teams that are strong 
maybe sometimes it's LeBron, maybe sometimes, you know, for, for Michael, it was Magic and Isaiah and all these things. And I think this is like just a rite of passage in the NBA. I don't think any one team is like the other team. I think the Bucks are very, very, very different than the Cavs, even from an organization standpoint. I think the Bucks have tried their best to maximize what they can put around um, you know, put a, put around Giannis, and they're a small market. Ultimately, there's limitations of a small market. But if Giannis left, I don't think that the Bucks would ever need to be upset about what they did. They tried their best. Middleton is an All Star. Um, you know, 50, 40, 90. He's he's not a he's not a schmo. He might not be the number one option. He's not going to be, you know, uh, Dwayne Wade, that who LeBron needed. But you know, maybe this just comes down to LeBron needing had to go somewhere to learn how to be a champion, and maybe. They just need to figure out a way for the Bucks to bring in someone who can bring the championship mentality or the championship experience for Giannis to learn from. And maybe that's what you really need. It's not really about the pre-Miami LeBron James. It's it's more about how do we help uh, Giannis break through that bubble of you know this team that's perennially amazing in the regular season but sometimes in the in the playoffs when you have a lot of uh, pressure but also the other the opposition has a lot more time to game plan against you how do we maximize a guy like Giannis and make him feel like you know he has the tools to succeed yeah I think that's that's a good point I mean this this team definitely did a better job of surrounding Giannis than probably those first LeBron uh those LeBron's Cavs teams did they were just like, we're going to, uh, we have LeBron, we'll put these mishmash players, you know, they acquired veterans way past their prime, like Shaq and Antoine Jameson. Um, the Bucks have definitely done a better job, but I think they're always, he's, Giannis is that next guy up, that superstar who's in line, and they're going to start asking the questions, is he going to be able to win a championship? It's just part of the territory that comes when you're considered the best player in the game. Um, you know, I think, and for. <laughs> Another Eastern Conference team, and we have to talk about them, is the Sixers. Uh, man, just what terrible luck this year. They finally had this big win against the Spurs. My boy Shake Milton with that <laughs> game-winning three. Um, and then the next game, they they lose Ben Simmons. It's just so unfortunate. It looked like you know they finally could maybe string together some wins before going to the playoffs. And now Ben Simmons with the dislocation of his kneecap possibly may need season-ending surgery. Uh, they're still weighing options, but you know, I don't know if we see Ben Simmons in a game again this year. But uh, it's just, it's just not, it's just a season from hell for these Sixers. Kind of like what the Celtics went through last year, where they had all this talent assembled, they just never meshed, and then things, one thing after another, just went wrong. Um, but you know, we'll see how the Sixers respond. But. People say like Ben Simmons losing him on offense isn't that big of a deal, but I think where they're really missing is his defense. Uh, he's an incredible defender, can guard like any position, and that's going to be a huge, huge loss for these Sixers. I totally agree. I, I wonder if you know five years from now we're gonna when when the Sixers inevitably break up, you know, personal opinion, uh, if we're gonna look back and think about you know if if Embiid and Simmons really do get to to their peak of you know their abilities if we're going to look back and think about this Sixers team as the what if team you know in the early 2000s the what if team was the Thunder and you know I think every decade has a sort of what if team uh I I wonder if that's going to be this the Sixers for you know the late 2000s uh 2010s and early 2020s because they have all the talent They, they haven't been frugal in spending you know some people blame the coaching but honestly 
I think, you know, there are some late game blunders, but but ultimately they're just sometimes outplayed. It just, it, maybe it's the game plan, but probably not. Maybe some of it, this is just, you know, Embiid and Simmons. And we used to see this with Simmons kind of back in college. There's just times where he just looks so disengaged and he's done a much better job recently of being more engaged and being in it. But maybe that's what, maybe they're just missing that. Like when Embiid is engaged, Simmons is in. When Simmons is engaged, Embiid is in. And you really need both of your superstars to be engaged to win in this league. And I think that's going to be the ultimate question is whether these two guys can fit together. Um, you know, there's times where Embiid will be out and the Sixers actually look better because Simmons was surrounded by four shooters and they just run the floor. Looks great. Sometimes Simmons is out and they look good too. On offense, they're probably better without them together just because you run the offense through Embiid, surround him with four shooters and they look pretty good. Um, you know, ultimately, I think it's part of it is just the coaching. The job of a coach is to, to figure out how to best optimize his team with the players he has, especially if you got talents like Simmons and Embiid. You have to be able to use them in. Um, probably Brett Brown is just not that guy, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I think he kind of was held on to this job because he started off the process and he kind of like, you know, was the guy who got the Sixers through those tough, tough days. And then, you know, they kept him on. I actually thought he would get fired last year, but they probably said, let's give him one more chance because honestly, that loss was just so brutal, um, you know, with that forced four bounce and loss so that's probably why they decided to keep him for one more um year at least um another news that was just so unfortunate was the jonathan isaac injury man what a tough looking injury i think it looked almost similar to that derrick rose her injury um also torn acl here off a jump stop just kind of land uh his knee just buckled and he just landed in severe pain um so hard to watch i mean this guy was finally breaking out and then just boom that's it and then we lost jaron jackson too to a torn meniscus so just like a lot of injuries that's kind of been uh, dampening on this otherwise what's been an exciting tournament what do you think about all these young players that, that were just losing to injuries I think this is what I was afraid of with such a long hiatus and how quick they were playing. I mean, I think in our last pod, we were talking about how excited we are that these games are sort of playoff level competitiveness and the game is fast and that, and that I expected the games to be slower. Pretty similar to prior lockout seasons, I expected things, you know, scoring to be low, a lot of defensive sets, you know, not as much running up and down the court in terms of fast breaks and, you know, as... as, as um these players have tried to stay in shape. Ultimately, it's really hard to mimic in-game shape, particularly with social distancing. And, you know, some of these guys were out there playing, you know, regular basketball games, uh, pickup games, but a lot of them weren't. And uh, it's, this is what I feared. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that these were just anomalies and this isn't a continuation, but these sort of freak injuries that are happening, I can't help but worry that, are these related to the long break? And I really hope the best for all of these young guys. Uh, the rehab process itself this year is going to be a lot more challenging because, you know, there isn't that long off season. If they need surgery, there isn't that long off season to slowly ramp yourself up so that you can be ready for, you know, the early portion of the regular season. If these guys are going to have long-term injuries, particularly, you know, Jonathan Isaac, if he's going to come back, is he going to come back at all in the next year? I, I don't know. Would he just sit out all of the next season if we have a next season? 
for rehabbing that that can be challenging for a young guy who's already missed so much time to miss even more crucial time particularly on a young team that you know has a couple of guys just sitting behind him tr- barking at trying to get a couple more minutes yeah i mean it's it's hard to tell i mean we never know why injuries happen it's just part of the game and it's uh yeah it could be due to the layoff maybe it was just meant to happen you you can't really predict it um and you know these teams they just kind of build their futures based on the development and growth of these young guys and you know when an injury just kind of puts everything to a stop that's really unfortunate all right Nishan, before we end this pod i'm going to hold you to it so if you had to give me a prediction who is your who's going to get that eight spot in the west I think the East, I know Sandeep's not going to be happy about this, but who cares who's going to get that eight spot in the East anyways. But, uh, you know, if I had to hold you to it, who's going to get that eight spot in the West? First off, just to preface, you know, the eighth spot in the East, you're going to get some more angry text messages later today or tomorrow whenever this pod goes live. And also, as as a surrogate for Sandeep, I want to remind you that, you know, his Brooklyn Nets did get a W over the Bucks, so <laughs> it's fine. Who cares if Giannis didn't play? They got the W with you know their their uh, their, their Division Three team out there. So uh, don't ever discount the Brooklyn Nets, the hearts of champions, right there um, in the East uh, in the Western Conference. You know, I, I I'm realizing more and more how ex- how much experience really matters. Um, you're seeing teams like the Pelicans who have some level of experience and they're, you know, they have some leadership from True Holiday that are sort of hanging in there. You can see Memphis sort of falling apart, particularly with the injuries, but also they're inexperienced. They're just not, they don't have that same uh, bright-eyed, bushy tail that they did in the beginning of the season. And when things get tough, like they just don't have that experience and leadership. Um, meanwhile, teams like the Suns are soaring and uh uh, and and uh, the Spurs are doing really well. I ultimately still think it's the prediction that I made before, which is I think the best team, barring injury, is going to be the the Trailblazers. I think that they have the most playoff experience. They have the most talent on their team currently. I think there's other teams that may have better futures, but I definitely think they have the best talent on the team. They have guys like Dame and CJ who've been there. Even Melo's been there, and he knows what the locker room needs to be like. You know, when it comes down to these clutch moments, we've already seen Melo might be a dud for you know three quarters of the game, and he's the one thing he's not afraid to do is he's not afraid to take that fourth quarter shot. And I think that that's an invaluable, it's an invaluable trait to have on a team. It might, some people may say that it's you know he's being hubris and like he's just overconfident and he shouldn't be taking those shots but ultimately if you don't have guys that are willing to take those shots that's so much more pressure on your superstars who not only have to handle the ball but also get a shot up I think that it's really nice to see that they have the versatility of throwing it out to any of those guys and all of them are ready to take the shot and that takes a lot of pressure off of Dame and CJ and um, I think that they're the most likely to make the playoffs and I think that they're the most likely to you know challenge someone that's already in the playoffs yeah, I mean, Mellow still got it. Skinny Mellow now. I mean, we've seen Hoodie Mellow and all these different Mellows, but Skinny Mellow now has got it. Uh, I think, you know, for just the sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my sons. <laughs> I'm going to die on that island. I, I, I want the sons to make it, also partially so that the Lakers don't have to face the Blazers in the first round. But, you know, the sons, I hope that they can, like, just run the table. They can go 8-0. And uh, 
I really want them to get that eight spot in that playing tournament. You know, the funny part is Memphis may not even be a part of this playing tournament. <laughs> they may lose all their games and not be like a 10 seed. They may not even get to this playing tournament. Uh, the Blazers looks like they're going to take over that eight seed. And Memphis is, I mean, sorry, the Suns are right on their heels. It could be like a Suns Blazers. So we might not even have the Grizzlies, which is unfortunate for them because, you know, they were great all year. And now they're going to lose out. Um, but, you know, that's in a year like this, it, it comes with the territory. But looking forward to seeing more games this weekend, today. Uh, let's see how these all these games play out. But we'll sign off on this pod. Till next time.